Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all. It's a delight to welcome everybody to worship this morning. Welcome if you are joining us uh, here in our sanctuary. It's wonderful to have you in person here. And welcome if you are joining us online. If you're watching from home, wherever home may be, we're so delighted that you're joining us here for this worship service from Germantown Presbyterian Church. So if you are worshiping with us online. I hope you'll go to the church website and you'll find a tab that says uh, um, Sunday Resources and there's another tab that says Church Bulletin. I hope you'll download the Church Bulletin. I hope you'll see that and that you'll follow along with us in our worship service. You'll follow the order of service and be as involved worshiping there at home as we all are here in the sanctuary. So indeed a word of welcome again to everybody this morning. Also, there is an online friendship pad. If you go to the church website, it's right there. It's a box prominently displayed right in the middle of our website that says uh, online friendship pad. We invite everybody to sign that. If you're a visitor worshiping with us uh, at home virtually, then you can sign that. If you'd like to know more about Germantown Presbyterian Church, then you can sign that, put your contact information down, and you can uh, be contacted by one of us who will be glad to tell you more about who we are as a family of faith. We don't have a visitor friendship pad here in our sanctuary, but there are visitor cards at the end of each pew. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd be delighted for you to fill out a visitor card and to put that into the offering plate as you depart this morning. It's a very special Sunday for us here at GPC because it's the first of the month, so it's Communion Sunday, and if you didn't receive elements on your way in this morning and you're worshiping uh, with us in person, then there are uh, baskets at, in the narthex and you can slip out uh, in a moment and just go and pick up a little packet. There's a packet with a cracker in it and there's a packer with a grape in it. And so that's our way of having uh, the, the bread and the cup and we'll celebrate communion in here in our sanctuary as part of this service. And then also if you're worshiping with us at home, you can, uh, you can do the same. You can gather your own communion elements, and you can have uh, a grape juice or, uh, for some people, wine, and you can have a cracker or a piece of bread, whatever it may be, and we'd be delighted for you to have your elements at home and have them ready for when our time comes in this service that we would celebrate communion together. So please do uh, prepare that for yourself at home if you're able to do that this morning. And if you don't have the elements, you know what? That's okay, too. You'll be blessed by the liturgy and blessed by the words and blessed by the Holy Spirit uh, just being part of that service, even if you don't have communion elements uh, handy for this service this morning. It's also a very special service for us today because it's Confirmation Sunday, and you'll see that coming up uh, in a little bit in your bulletin that we have our confirmands here uh, with their families this morning, and you'll hear more about their process, but we are delighted to welcome these new members into the life of Germantown Presbyterian Church. And, and lead, needless to say, but I'll say it anyway, um, this was a different year for confirmation class for some reason. I can't imagine why, but a very special year. And uh, my congratulations and appreciation to the, the teachers. They're here as well, to the teachers who work so hard with our confirmation class and the mentors and everybody. You'll again hear more about them in a minute. But what, a, what an unusual year and what an amazing effort, though, um, organizationally for all of our leaders to do that. And so I'm just so grateful that, again, even with things different and unusual, we have confirmation this year provided by so many people. So a very special day in the life of Germantown Presbyterian Church for that reason. 
Friends, we did have last week's uh, meeting of the congregation. It was on Zoom, and so um, the people who were able to, to join in on that annual congregational meeting um, saw the lists and the names of those who were elected as deacons and elders. They saw a report from, the, uh, from our budget, from our stewardship uh, committee. If you didn't uh, plug into that, if you weren't able to join that meeting, we do have copies of the annual report in the Narthex uh, on the various tables back there. We're also going to mail one to the congregation, to everybody on our mailing list, so you'll be receiving one in the mail uh, very soon as well, within the next uh, week to 10 days or so. So we want everybody to see that in this strange time of, of not being able just to, to communicate as uh, easily as we always do. We still want people to see that annual congregational report from 2020. It talks about all the ministries and all the events and all the things we did in the last year, but it's also looking forward in hopeful anticipation toward 2021 and some of our goals and aspirations for this next year. So pick up a copy of the annual report uh, and or um, one will be mailed to you um, also. So please be on the lookout for that. Two events I want to highlight for you as we move uh, before we move into worship. One is uh, the Ash Wednesday service that will take place. That's in uh, just a couple of weeks on February 17th. We will have our Wednesday evening, Ash Wednesday service, like we always do in here. A very special service for us as we begin the season of Lent here at GPC. We'll have the imposition of ashes like we always do. There'll be a sign-up online for that service. Um, We hope people can attend that and will attend that. But if you can't, for whatever reason, if coming into a worship service is not something that your health will allow you to do, or if people sign up before you do... We are going to have a drive-through Ash Wednesday experience that will uh, start with our covered drop-off area, and there you'll receive um, in that in the little uh, bag the the packets that you'll receive will be devotional material for everyone of every age, for adults. Um, one that Susie has been writing. There'll be material for youth, for children, for people with special needs all available as you move through the different stations till you arrive at the final station down the hill, where if uh, you would like the imposition of ashes, we'll be distanced with the Q-tip with ashes and a different Q-tip for every person, so it will be completely and totally and overly safe, Um, but we'll do that, and uh, if you'd like to have that drive-through Ash Wednesday experience, we hope that you will please make that uh, available to you as well. And then just shortly on the heels of that, another really fun event. Guess who's coming to dinner? Virtual table style. Um, you can sign up. It's in your bulletin, and you'll see the announcements. But we hope as many people as possible will sign up for a fellowship event where you will join in uh, online on Zoom this year, of course. And, um, but you'll be going to a host, um, and you'll be assigned a, a Zoom room that you'll be um, uh, joining after you join the big group, then you'll be put into your uh, Zoom room with one of your hosts who will host a dinner for you. And there's even a theme, so you get the food theme ready for yourself. But then it'll be a time of fellowship. You know, it's just trying to adapt and trying to do things differently um, as we move through this, uh, this season together. So I'm so grateful for the Congregational Life Committee and their creativity and for trying to tackle uh, a challenge, but to do so in a fun way. So please do sign up for the uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner virtual experience, and that'll be on Saturday, February the 20th. Friends, last but not least, maybe most important, I want to let you know about a death in the church family that happened on Friday evening, and that was for Dick Noakes, 
Dick uh, and his wife Judy um, have been going through his cancer um, treatments for a couple of years, and then Dick died uh, very peacefully at home with Judy right by his side and with uh, their daughters Sarah and Emily there and grandchildren also. So I just invite you to lift up the family of Dick Noakes in prayer. prayer for, pray for his family. Pray for them as they, as they grieve, but even as they told me, they, they do so with hope. And they do so with incredible gratitude. If you didn't know Dick, he was just a wonderful person, had a great sense of humor, and was just a delight to be around. And this was a very fine person. And so please do lift up uh, Judy Noakes and lift up their whole family as we remember Dick with gratitude and for his part as a member of this church. There are no service plans at this time, but I'm sure, and I just know how much they would appreciate if you would just drop them a note or drop them a card um, and just express your love to, to Judy at this time in her life. I know how much she would appreciate that. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. God, call us together from all directions, all backgrounds, all families, to worship our Creator and Savior. God is worthy of worship, and we are glad for this day. Please stand for our call to worship. How good is it to sing praises to our God, who is gracious. A song of praise is fitting. The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their words. Our God determines the number of stars and gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power, whose understanding is beyond measure. The God we worship knows us well. If we say we were, are without sin, we deceive ourselves. Let us confess our sin and acknowledge our need for grace. Let us pray. God of truth, goodness, and mercy, we confess that we are creatures who sin. Unlike all of your other creatures, we defy who you intended us to be. You created us with a will for choices, inviting us to choose what is right. We confess that we choose against you and for evil. We confess that our desires and inclinations lead us away from you and apart from what is right. We pray for your forgiveness and we ask for mercy in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God's goodness knows no bounds. God's mercy is rich and deep. In the name of Jesus Christ and by his obedience, I declare to you that we are forgiven in his name. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with with you. As our children come forward, please remember everyone in our church family. Pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. Well, good morning, boys and girls. It's so good to see you here this morning. So it is February. We've turned the calendar over to a new month. So Jean and Roy, you should really, oh, hey, Joseph and Talmadge, y'all should have a really good understanding what happens when we turn the calendar over to a new month. Can you remember? Yeah, we study something new and we get a new Bible verse of the month, don't we? Yes. So we have been doing a lot of work in Sunday school recently. We've been really concentrating on bringing our what to Sunday school. Yeah, we've been really concentrating on bringing our Bibles, and we've been doing some new things in our Bibles. What have we been doing? Can anybody say something that's been fun about what we've been doing in our Bibles? Roy, can you tell us something? We've been putting little sticky notes in our Bibles with important words. And what else? We've been using a really fun tool. Joseph, you remember what it is? We are. We're highlighting our important Bible verse to help us remember what's important. And it's been so fun. We even got to go to what last week? The treasure box for bringing our Bible. So Sunday school is so much fun, and we are having so much fun working in our Bible and remembering to bring our Bible to church. So I'm going to give us a new Bible verse of the month, and um, somebody can read it for us. And I just want to encourage everybody to come to Sunday school where we can study in our Bible, okay? So, Jean, you want to read for us? Can you come up? A friend loves at all times. Proverbs 17 through 17. Perfect. You can have that. Yay. I'm going to give everybody a Bible verse this morning to take home and practice for the month, okay? Will you bow your heads and let's say a prayer together? Can you pray after me? We've been doing good on this lately. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our church and our Sunday school. Thank you that our Bible is fun and teaches us so much about you. Amen. As we prepare to hear the word proclaimed 
and read. Let us settle our spirits by coming to God in prayer. Draw us close, Holy Spirit, as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed. Let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts, and let all other words slip away. May there be one voice we hear today, the voice of truth and grace. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 28 through 31, can be found on page 583 in your pew Bible for those here in the sanctuary. Listen now for these words from Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Our New Testament lesson picks up this week where we left off last week in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. We read at verse 29 through verse 39. Mark 1, 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, everybody is searching for you. He answered, then let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We're continuing in our sermon series, the pre-Lent series that's called Jesus, Man of Mystery. And we do pick up this week where we left off last week. And there is something very mysterious going on in this reading about this man, Jesus. It's fundamental to his ministry, and it is mysterious, and it has to do with healing. Jesus is a healer. He is a healer. Wherever you read the Gospels, you'll see him perform these amazing miracles. So he does have this extra natural, this supernatural power over nature. So he will feed, for example, thousands of people from just a few simple loaves. 
he will stand up on the boat deck and shout out to this storm at sea, be still. So we see that he does have this power over nature. Then he gets really personal in so many places. He gets really personal when he heals. Could there be anything more personal for you than being healed? Being healed, how much do we appreciate all of that? I'll never forget a few years ago, I attended a luncheon for cancer survivors. And I remember looking around that room, and the first thing I noticed was how packed it was. How packed it was. Everybody in there was a cancer survivor. And they used words like gratitude and healing all the time. I was thinking about this early this morning as I was thinking about this sermon about that luncheon and and cancer. And so uh, you know, I think it's one in three, how much cancer affects different people. It affects you. It affects your family. So I'm I just curious this morning, not, it, it may be you personally, it may be somebody in your relatively immediate family, but if you or somebody close to you has had cancer, raise your hand. I mean, that's not quite, but almost everybody in here. It just touches on Everybody. And I remember from that luncheon, just the words that were used and how it was full of gratitude, people so thankful for being healed. Jesus heals people all the time, people who are blind. He heals people of skin diseases. We see that a lot in the Gospels. He heals this woman. This is one of my favorite stories. He heals this woman who has been bent over and crooked in her spine for over 18 years. All she can see is down. She can't even look up. And Jesus touches her and straightens her up and gives her her life back. He heals this man who seems to have some kind of combination of what what maybe was a, a mental illness or maybe harmful spiritual forces at work in his life somehow, probably both of those, maybe feeding off of each other. Another one of my favorite stories is where Jesus goes into this town called Nain. As Jesus and his disciples are walking in, Suddenly, they see this huge crowd walking out, and it's a funeral procession. And they are carrying out the only son of a widow of that town, meaning her last family member. They're carrying him outside of the city gates in order to bury him. Jesus sees them coming toward him, and he heals that only son of of death itself. At least for a little while. It was only temporary. He will die again later, but he brings him back to life. And then he says that Jesus, the Bible says, gives him back to his mother. You know, whenever there is illness, there is a type of of barrier between people, isn't there? There's a type of barrier, there's some kind of line of division when somebody else is, is not of sound body or of sound mind. You, you may be caring for them, but, but that there's a barrier between you and them because it's something that only they are experiencing. And they're going through this and, and you're with them and yet there's some kind of separation because of that illness. And sometimes there is such a separation that you can't be near them at all. We've seen this a lot lately, haven't we? When Susan and I were quarantining over the Christmas holidays because of our positive COVID diagnoses, we were actually physically staying apart, staying in a different location, a different house from where our three kids were staying because we didn't want them to catch it from us. And so on Christmas Day, we spent an hour together around an outside fire pit because it was really cold that day, um, more than six feet 
apart. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas Day for us is usually full of incredible fun and incredible joy and too much food and too much family, and that's only in the morning. <laughs> I mean, that's just multiply that by the afternoon and a whole different side of the family and in-laws and outlaws and grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles, and then even more food after that. This year instead, like some of you, we got an hour outside in the cold and then some cold leftover pizza. What a great Christmas. And I know, I know that that pales in comparison to what some people have suffered through this illness and what some families have gone through because of COVID. And I just know, I just know how painful it is for some of the families, even in this church, who have been isolated from their loved ones, from their own siblings, their own parents, their own grandchildren, and especially those who are elderly, and especially those who have died. We have family members who have had elderly parents in nursing homes and in places where they themselves weren't allowed to go into, and so their parents died in the presence of strangers. Man, we're going to need some healing, all of us, from this last year, which is why we have this wonderful healer. I mean, we worship this healer. He is our healer. The great physician is Jesus. And you know that place early on in his ministry where he does compare himself to a doctor, compares himself to a physician. He says, you know, just like a doctor who treats bodies that are ill, Jesus said, I have come to treat people who are ill with sin. And so he is a healer. All of us need that kind of healing. He heals people physically, but in every place in the gospel, that physical healing, we, we know it's only temporary. I mean, our bodies are going to break down, and that healing for the moment is not going to last forever. And those resurrection moments are not going to last forever. It's only temporary because the physical healing is only a prelude. It is only pointing to something that is greater for Jesus, more long-term, and that's the healing of people's souls. The healing of our relationships, the healing of our loves, the healing of our relationship with God and with other people. I know I've shared with you before that one of my favorite ministers is a minister named Barbara Brown Taylor, and she preached at this tiny little Episcopal church in North Georgia for a while. I got to go hear her preach one time in seminary, and you just kind of sit at her feet and just soak up this wisdom. One of my favorite collections of sermons by her is called Gospel Medicine, and that is it. That is such an appropriate term because the gospel is medicine, it's medicine for our souls. The gospel is God's healing, loving, restorative power at work in our hearts. It's at work in our minds, at work in our relationships. Jesus is a healer, and his gospel is the medicine that every single human being needs, that we need. A few years ago, I was opening something. It was a tool, but it was encased in that hard, clear plastic like everything comes encased in now. So, of course, I got a knife out to open it. And the whole time I said to myself, it was a sharp, it was a filleting knife. And I said to myself, do not cut towards you. Cut away, cut away, cut away. Don't pull that blade towards you. 
But then I, I got more distracted on the task at hand, and I stopped consciously thinking about what I was doing, and it wasn't opening, so I changed my grip, and then I pulled that knife right toward me across this knuckle right here, and the whole package turned red. I was describing what happened to the doctor who was sort of stitching me up at the minor emergency medical clinic, and he said quite accurately, well, that wasn't very smart. Thank you. And then he also said very accurately, I'll tell you that most of the wounds I see are self-inflicted. They're just self-inflicted. Jesus is our doctor. And whether it's a wound that comes that's self-inflicted because we've done it to ourselves through a choice or through sin, or maybe it's somebody else's sin, and that has wounded us as well. Those certainly happen also. Whatever it is, Jesus is our doctor and the gospel is medicine. God's love is always the healing power that makes us whole again. And there may be some scars that remain, and and they will remain, but the gospel of God's love covers over those wounds. It is restorative. It is healing. It is the balm that we all need for our souls. So we look at this story this morning from Mark 1, and it again, it, it picks up where we left off last week. Jesus finishes this early teaching in his ministry in the synagogue. It's a very public setting public ministry, and he goes from teaching publicly to the private residence of Simon, who we know Jesus changes his name later to Peter. So he goes to the home of Peter and his brother Andrew, and we see this um, facet about their world back then that's a little different from ours now, maybe, maybe not, but you would have multiple generations of the same family living in the same very small, usually one-room house. So it's not unusual for Peter to live there with his wife and his mother-in-law, and then maybe Andrew, his own brother, multiple generations in the same, usually one-room house, or maybe, maybe there'd be some other rooms kind of cobbled together and tacked on to one dwelling or lodge on the same piece of property. But you have them all here together, and Peter's wife's mother has this debilitating virus. She has a fever. Her fever won't allow her to get out of bed. I didn't have the COVID fever, but I know people who have, and maybe you've had a fever for another reason, and you, you toss and turn all night, and you sweat, and you're miserable, and sometimes you just audibly groan out loud. We don't know how long she had this fever, but it was clearly affecting her. And they all know as they enter that house together, They know, even in the infancy of Jesus' ministry here, they know that he is a healer. And what's the first thing that they do? It leaps out in this story. The first thing from this story that leaps out is that they tell Jesus about her immediately. Mark says at once, they tell Jesus about her. What's the first thing that you should do when someone you love needs healing? What's the first thing you should do when when you need healing of any kind? What do you do? Pray. Pray. Tell Jesus about it. Tell God about it. It might be physical healing that you crave for that person. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's something else, a broken bone. But maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's a broken spirit. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a broken life due to some self-inflicted sin or some recurring sin that has kind of a grip or maybe a power over that person. We tell Jesus. We pray. 
we bring before God again and again that person or ourselves and that injury or that wound, that place that needs healing. We bring before God the fevered life of that person, the person who is hurting and, and groaning out. Where there's illness, there is a barrier. But we know that Jesus can break down that barrier and bring healing because He is our doctor who brings us gospel medicine. So Jesus does immediately that. He hears their pleas and He goes to her reaches down by her bedside, his hand down, puts hers in his, and lifts her up. A fever leaves her immediately when he touches her, and he lifts her back up into her life again. Who do you need to talk to Jesus about? Whose life you love and who, who is ill, for whatever reason, in some way or another, who do you need to tell Jesus about who needs their life back again? From there, it didn't take very long for the news of that healing to spread everywhere. And soon, the whole city of Capernaum shows up at their door. And this is the second point to pick up about this reading, this story here. The whole city shows up. In other words, everybody. Everybody needs healing. Everybody's hands go up when you ask who in your life needs healing from one thing or another. Everybody needs healing some way or another. The whole city shows up because they are all in need. And, and maybe it was for them themselves, or maybe they brought a loved one with them. Can't you just see them? Can't you see them coming, and they are guiding a blind person by the hand and, and just slowly walking that person to that door? In another place, we read about how four friends pick up their paralyzed friend on a mat, on a rug, and they, they just physically carry that people. You know that happened here. People carrying friends to go see Jesus. Can't you see also people just limping along themselves, maybe some crude crutch under their arm. They're, they're lame in one way or another, but they are limping along. But now they're moving along, even with that limp, with hope. Maybe for the first time in their lives, they have hope because they're moving toward Jesus and they know that he is a healer. Who in your life is limping? Who is blind? Maybe it's you, but who can you take to Jesus for gospel medicine? Because it is for everybody. Whatever burden you carry, whatever physical pain you may have, wherever there's this hole in your heart, the good news of God's love is for everybody. It is for you, and you know there's no pain, no problem, no power that is above and beyond Jesus' ability to heal. He can do it which moves us toward this third sort of critical aspect of this story, which is to notice exactly how Jesus healed people or, or what he healed them from. And it takes us into this sort of mysterious realm for us. He cured people of many, many diseases, it says, various diseases. And, says Mark, he cast out many demons. There's physical healing. And Jesus exercised the power to liberate people from the grip of powers in their life that are beyond their control. And I think sometimes we're limited in seeing things truly biblically because we are so steeped in Western Enlightenment education and the scientific way of seeing things that sometimes people in our day and age don't want to believe in forces of evil that can sway people or inhabit their lives or have control over them. 
And, and don't get me wrong, it's a blessing to be scientifically enlightened, but that blessing sometimes becomes a burden because science can't explain morality, good or especially evil. Evil is not rational. It doesn't make sense. Powerful forces aren't always empirical. They harm people. People harm themselves under its influence. Sometimes people choose to damage themselves against their own best interests. What makes sense about that? Nothing. And I don't always know what to make of the New Testament when it speaks so frequently of of demons or unclean spirits. Sometimes I wonder, is that just an ancient culture's way of explaining things in people's lives that they can't understand about people's minds or about people's behaviors? And, And maybe that's part of it, and yet, and yet... We know in our day and age, people can, can have their, their way of life, their way of seeing the world, can have their minds come under the grip of powers that are beyond their own willpower and beyond their own control. We see it happen all the time. I'll tell you about a couple of areas I'm so worried about. I'm so worried about what's going to happen now that widespread legalized gambling is legal in half of the United States, including the state of Tennessee. Betting on sports games used to be kind of an underground thing and confined to a handful of places like Las Vegas and things like that. And, of course, I'm saying this on the day of the Super Bowl, the biggest gambling day in the United States. But now it's as close as your cell phone. It's as close as your cell phone. From what I understand, there are four companies licensed in Tennessee for mobile gambling, and you set up an account And then you link your bank account to it. You link your money to it. And I know what that's going to mean for so many people in our church and in our world around us in about 12 to 18 months. When I was in college, I teamed up with a good friend of mine, actually from Germantown, to bet each weekend on college and pro football. Like a lot of colleges, fraternities, a lot of other places, there was always somebody you knew who was the bookie. So we would bet $6 here and $11 there, Big stakes, right? High rollers, big daddy gamblers here. Do you know what I learned from that experience? The bookie always wins. Eventually, maybe sooner, maybe later, but the house always wins. You might get up one weekend, you might get up two weekends, but you will always go down. You will go down at some point because we lack the self-control to make wise decisions always when it comes to risk and competition and gambling and betting, and you will never in the long run beat the house. That's why those industries are so phenomenally profitable. You will not beat the house. Are there people who can show restraint and and stop when they get down? Of course, of course there are. People will do that. They'll do fine. But you know what else we're going to see in the next 12 to 18 months is a whole wave. And for the future in that, a whole wave of people who have all kinds of financial problems and marital problems and anger problems and problems with deceit because the pull of gambling will be stronger than their willpower to resist. And then talk about sinister forces at work. The wife of a colleague, minister of mine, works for a counseling group that's offering help for people who are addicted to pornography. She contacted me this last week with a lot of material 
and a lot of statistics to talk about not just people out there, but Christians, Christians in churches. She contacted me to see if GPC would be interested in receiving material about that group, about offering support for people with sex addiction through our church. And I hesitated in my answer. I said, I just don't know if our church is ready for a discussion about something like that. It's controversial, it's difficult, it's painful, it's embarrassing. But the truth is that pornography now has exploded in our society in the last 20 years due to the internet and especially in the last years due to mobile technology. The statistics are astounding and what people are watching is frightening and not to get too off this subject in a PG kind of way due to the, the, the crowd that's with us. I understand that. But what she was sharing with me, what it shows is that now watching that is more about inflicting pain from one person to another during the act. It's about hurting somebody else and controlling them, and it's being an outlet for anger and frustration. So what this means is that the good act, it's part of God's creative design for love and closeness and intimacy and procreation and goodness is now twisted by powers in our society for something wrong that's about anger and control and hurt and inflicting pain on the other person, and that is taking over people's lives and their real relationships and their loves, and it is a force from which they cannot free themselves without Jesus, their healer. So there will be literature placed around the church that deals with this addiction like all the other addictions that we seek help from, from Jesus, our healer, because he is the physician and the gospel is the medicine that we all need. Whatever it is, for whatever ails us, there is this man, there is this person, there is this God who can take all of us by the hand take us by the hand and raise us up from a fevered life, whatever ails us, someone who can liberate us from anything beyond our control, any addiction, any brokenness, any pain of body or mind, our healer is Jesus. And look throughout the Gospels. Do you ever see an occasion where Jesus refuses to heal somebody? Does Jesus ever go to somebody does somebody ever go to Jesus in need and, and ask for healing and he ever turns them away and turns them down? No. He always heals people. Always heals people and he wants to heal each and every one of us also. So tell him about it. Pray to him about that person. Pray to him about yourself wherever you need healing because it is all of us. It's the whole city. Nobody is immune from the fevers and the illnesses of body and soul and mind and we all need healing. And so many of us need spiritual liberation and healing that's more than physical. There are forces at work in our world and our lives from which we all need freedom. Tell him about it and go to him and he will embrace you. Because Jesus is our great physician who gives us gospel medicine. Amen.
of brothers and sisters, we have been blessed to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. And now we have an opportunity to respond to the work and the ministry here at Germantown Presbyterian Church to participate in the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you, if you are worshiping with us online, to go to the giving tab. And there you can find all kinds of ways to participate in God's mission and ministry. And if you're here in the sanctuary with us, you will find the offering trays um, at the back uh, as you exit, and you can put your offering in there. For all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So let us give with great joy and generosity. Thank you.
Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it is a really special day today. Um, this has been a special year, of course, and a year of many changes and alterations, but um, we worked hard all year and we rose to the occasion, and that includes confirmation. So we're so excited today um, to welcome our confirmands here this morning, Kate Reynolds, Will Chandler, and Isabella Walters. Um, and I just want to give a big thank you to all the adults involved in this confirmation process who also made many changes in their lives. So. Um, just a big thank you to their confirmation teachers, Cindy Cleveland, Wendy Holmes, and Bill Burnett. Um, also, just another important person that's been active this year helping us is Aaron Bowden, their interim um, youth director. And then, of course, our special mentors this year, Bob Johnson and Christy Campbell. So big thank you all to you all for all your adjustments this year. Um, these students have been meeting since August, studying the Bible, church history, the sacraments and matters of living in faith today. And they have met regularly with their mentor to pray and to share their journey together. They were examined by the session for the affirming of the baptismal, baptismal covenant into which they were baptized. And they now desire to profess publicly their faith and to assume greater responsibility in the life of the church and God's mission in the world. Friends, in baptism, you are joined to Christ and you're made a member of Christ's church. In the community of the people of God, you are continuing to learn about God's purpose for you as well as all creation. And God extends his grace and love to you freely and unconditionally. You're now each coming of your own choice to acknowledge this covenant of grace, to profess publicly your own faith in Jesus Christ, and to receive the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. And so now in these questions of faith, I'll ask you to profess your faith and ask you to reject sin, to express your love for Christ and confess the faith of the church, the faith in which, to which you have been baptized as you respond to these questions. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging the Father as your creator, the Son as your Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide, do you? As you proclaim faith in the God who made you and who has always loved you, do you at the same time turn away from sin and do you repent from evil and its effects in your life? Do you? Do you promise that you will, by God's grace, seek to live a life worthy of your calling as a disciple of Christ? Do you? Do you promise to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, seeking to obey his great commandments to love God and to love your neighbors as yourself? Do you? And do you commit yourself to the Lord, to serve the Lord through the work of the church, promising to give generously of your time, talents, and resources in service to God through Christ's church, do you? And to the congregation, I ask this question. Will all of you who are here to witness these vows, will you do all your power to support these new members and these young Christians as they grow in faith in Jesus Christ and as they grow as members of Christ's church? If you're willing to make that promise, will you please stand? O oh Lord, uphold these young people by your Holy Spirit. Increase in them your gifts of grace, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, and the spirit of joy in your presence, both now and forever. 
Gracious God, by water and the Spirit, you claim us each as your own, cleansing us from sin and giving us new life. Constantly challenge their faith that it may grow strong and mighty. Renew in each of these confirmands the covenant you made in their baptism. Continue the good work you have begun in them. Send them forth in the power of your spirit to love and serve you with joy and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As you take this step of pressing your faith today, remember that where you, where you go and whatever you do, you are a beloved child of God. And strive to live up to the challenge of the Apostle Paul, the challenge to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world and be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the blessing of, the, of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always. To signify the importance of this day, these students will receive Bibles and letters from their mentors and their parents. So first we have Kate Reynolds. And Will Chandler. And Isabella Walters. At the beginning of, of this service, or this worship service, what a special day this is, and it is a special day. And um, I think many of us in here um, have seen you all grow up from when you were very young. And so that is, um, that is gratifying and humbling. And what we look forward to the most is, is all of us continuing to grow together and to see where your faith takes you and to see where God leads you in this life. And so on behalf of Germantown Presbyterian Church, I want to welcome you as new active members of this Christian fellowship. And please know that you go forward from this day of professing your faith, you go forward now into the future with the blessing and the love of this congregation from this day onward and forever. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. My friends, in the homes of Mary and Susanna, in the homes of Zacchaeus and Peter, in the homes of Joanna and Susanna, he was the guest. But here at this table, he is our host, for this is the table that Christ our Lord has prepared for us, his people, the people of God. And it is as siblings in Christ that we are united in Christ's love and grace and that we come to this table. Christianity is an embodied faith, which simply means that the community of believers are gathered in time and space 
that make us one body, one spirit, one family of faith. The Lord's Supper is at once God's gift of grace, it is God's means of grace, and it is God's call to us to respond to that grace. Through the Lord's Supper, Jesus Christ nourishes us in righteousness and in faithfulness and discipleship. Through the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit renews the church in its identity and sends the church out into the world. The elements used in the sacraments are ordinary elements. In baptism, it is ordinary water, and in Holy Communion, it is ordinary bread and juice or wine. And so I invite you now, whether you're worshiping with us online or here in the sanctuary, to gather your ordinary elements as we come together to this table. And as we do so, let us turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our creator, you formed us in your image, loved us with an everlasting love, and graced us with gifts for serving. So we praise you and give you thanks. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take ordinary bread and wine from the gifts you have given us and pray that your Holy Spirit be poured out upon them as we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name, that we may be one in ministry in every place. Eternal God, we give you thanks for and we remember all of those who've gone before us, all those who bow down before you in praise and prayer, all those who've shared their faith with us. We thank you and offer you praise for their faith and witness they've graciously shared with us. Teach us to go and do likewise, handing down our faith and witness to our children and our children's children. Creator God, as the world yearns for stability and longs for the easing of aches and pains, we wait in the quiet confidence of a people who know your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the very one who modeled compassion for all, who paid attention to suffering, the anguish of health decline, hearts broken, and hope waning. Jesus extended healing. Jesus formed a community of disciples, a ragtag bunch like those of us praying now, Jesus gathered them, taught them and loved them, and sent them out to do the same. So whether we are gathered or scattered, we are entrusted to the internal promises of the one who lived, died, and lives again to set us free from suffering and sin. And so we give thanks that in Christ, new beginnings are possible. Holy God, we need the winds of your Holy Spirit blowing wild and free on a creation and a world you called very good. For our hearts are heavy with all the things that continually weigh us down, all the things that are a part of the everyday world in which we now live. 
We lift up to you in prayer those trying to keep safe and warm as snow and ice, wind and rain and flash floods pour down and blow across North America and Europe. Those experiencing famine in South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen, and other countries. Those who face food insecurity and malnutrition around this vast world, including right here in our own backyards. We pray for relief and your hope and healing to come soon for all of these, Almighty God. We pray for those who are sick all around us. We pray for their healing and recovery. We pray for your wisdom to lead us and make good decisions for ourselves and our families so that we will all remain healthy and safe and then be able to serve you in all the ways you call us to. May we be participants in the solution to an end to this pandemic. God of wisdom, we pray for those who lead. May each one of us seek your wisdom, guidance, and spiritual courage before each word is spoken and each act is taken, just as you've taught us and desired for us since the beginning of creation. Lord Jesus, remind us daily that we are your body in the world, called to listen to voices long silenced, called to seek justice for the oppressed and the outcast, called to bring hope in the midst of chaos, called to be light, though the world may seem as darkness. Almighty God, remembering your constant faithfulness across the tumult of our days, we give thanks for the signs of you, O God, with us in these ordinary gifts of bread and juice. Pour out your Spirit upon us wherever we may be, and by your Spirit, unite us at your table, across the miles, across the pews, with one another, your children, in every time and place with the living Christ. May the taste of grace on our tongues jog our memories of your faithfulness and energize us to live out your love for us through whatever tomorrow brings until we break bread at your table in glory. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty God, with the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. And hear us now as we join our many voices into one, and we pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and he opened it, the bread, breaking it open and saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant. It is sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. 
Drink this in remembrance of me. So my friends, every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim our Lord and Savior saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God, and they are for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us now partake of the Lord's Supper together. Body of Christ and cup of salvation. let us turn again to God in prayer. Holy God, even when all the things we struggle with and all the things we've lifted before you in prayer are over, may we remember vividly how you held us together while we were apart, how you built a table across the miles, how you call us to continue the work of table building how you transformed us by the power of your Holy Spirit into the very people you call us to be, because we have shared the living bread and cannot remain the same. And so ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us, for we are equipped, empowered, enabled, and emboldened to go forth into all the world, following Christ Jesus faithfully wherever he leads and serving him with our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Through Christ we pray and together we say, Amen.
Dear friends, go now out into this world to love and serve the Lord. Go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you do, may the grace of Almighty God, the love of the Father, and the grace of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you today and always. Amen.